The following program is a podcast1.com production. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Coming up in 20 minutes, today's Clark Rageous moment. Oh, man, this is serious. People just looking to meet someone getting ripped off big time. An escalating crime I need to make you aware of if you are single. And coming up a half hour from now, a lot of new developments in the job market I want to make sure you're aware of. If you'd like to find a better opportunity or you're just looking for that opportunity, things you need to know coming up in just a half hour. A couple of food items. One, Gatorade has decided it's got to modernize. So Gatorade is coming out with an organic line called G-Organic. This isn't a joke. There really is going to be organic Gatorade. They've not said what date it's going to be on the shelves, but Pepsi says they're going to have it in three flavors. And Pepsi has very clearly disclosed, you know, Gatorade was owned by Pepsi, very clearly disclosed what ingredients are in it. It's a very short list. Water, organic natural flavor. I wonder what organic natural flavor is. Citric acid, salt, sodium citrate, potassium chloride. So those, those last three, the salt, sodium citrate, and the potassium chloride, it's all about uh, trying to get you, that's why people drink Gatorade, is you sweat off. It's supposed to revitalize you, help you get hydrated again. But you know what else is in Gatorade? Sugar. Now, with the new one, they're doing organic cane sugar. But it's still a lot, a lot, a lot of sugar. So I don't know if we're doing the right thing as parents, We might be doing the wrong thing, but we don't let our kids have the sugared Gatorade. So I know that means we're having them have some amount of artificial sweeteners, but the amount of sugar in sports drinks has always been an issue, how much there is, but if you don't have that sugar or the artificial sweetener, they don't taste good. Speaking of taste good, I have one item on which I will not compromise, and that is ice cream. I will not settle for ice cream that is not very, very high in butterfat, a very, very, very high-end ice cream. And I pay, this is cheap guy, I pay real money to have a pint of ice cream. Pint of ice cream retails typically at five bucks. So I try to wait till they're on two for one. 
but I'm still paying even then two and a half dollars for a pint of ice cream. That is an outrage. That is a scandal. How could cheap guy do that? I just love a good pint of ice cream. Well, this is crazy, but criminals also love premium ice cream and are stealing it big time and going to ice cream fences. It is not April Fool's Day. Do not check your calendar. Here's an item about all the ice cream theft that was in the New York Times. People are stealing very heavily from chain drug stores and convenience stores. Some of the chain drug stores now are putting alarms on the door to the ice cream where they have the premium ice creams because theft is so much a problem. And the fences pay a buck and a quarter to buy from the thieves the $5 ice cream. Then they go to retailers that no questions asked, buy that ice cream for much cheaper than they can get it from the ice cream manufacturer. And it is not a victimless crime. Because the ice cream usually, by the time it ends up back on somebody's shelf, is melted and refrozen. You're not getting the stolen price you're paying the full price you're getting stolen from too getting dreaded melted and refrozen ice crystalled over premium ice cream i mean who would know that criminals would i mean remember when baby formula was the big thing to steal and then it had to be locked up at retailers Follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Our web address, clark.com. When you got a question for me, go clark.com slash ask. Jamie joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jamie. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Love your show. Thank you very much. You want to save some money and go do something fun with your kids. Yeah, I'd love to. Like I said, I'm um, single dad, Clark. I don't have a ton of money, but I want to take the kids on a cruise. They're getting older and... Uh, just want to invest in some memories with the kids before they get too old, you know? Oh, how many kids do you have? Um, two girls, 10 and 14. And are you going to do, are you all going to crowd into one cabin? I would imagine that'd be the way to go. Yeah, if you want to save money. So <laughs> you're going to love what I'm about to tell you. There are a lot of specials that pop up on cruises where you pay your fare the second passenger, the fact that it's a uh, one is a child doesn't matter. The two are children. The second passenger will get half price. And the third, because the third passenger in a cabin, child or adult, gets a very low rate. Because for the cruise line, the third and fourth passenger in a cabin is considered to be above 100% occupancy. So they give you a real deal once you hit that third person. You could even, if one of your kids had a friend they'd love to take along, you could uh, bring that child along as the fourth in the cabin, and it would cost that child's parents very little money for that for that friend to co. Well, that might be a good idea. So I've got a couple of websites I want you to look at that that show various bargains that are popping up. Okay. One of them is cruisecritic.com. 
And okay. another is cruisecompete.com. And one of the crazy things about cruising is that, oh, and you're a Floridian, is that right? That is correct. All right, so do you know that as a Floridian, a lot of times you will get better deals than people in other parts of the country? That's good news. And when you when you go to any cruise line site to shop for cruises, they'll ask what state you're from. And the reason is so many cruises leave from the two big Two of the biggest cruise ports in the world are in the state of Florida, the Port of Miami and the port at Port Canaveral in central Florida. The two of those are huge. And so Floridians can fill cabins that might likely go empty. Cruise lines never want any cabin to go empty. Yeah, I thought maybe one of those any last-minute deals. Yes. Yes. In fact, a lot of the websites will show you uh, the, I, the two I mentioned are just two I like, but there are dozens of them. Which was the second one again? I got the Cruise Critic. I didn't get Cruise the Compete. Okay. And so they'll show you last-minute deals. Last-minute deals on cruises are usually 20 days or less out. You're okay. able to book the deal. Some of the cruises have been incredibly cheap. You can even go, there's a list. I'm trying to remember which of those two does it that shows you what are the cheapest cruises available right now. And I got distracted. I started to say the same ship one week might have really solid bookings and be offering no deals, and then the very next week the sailing on that ship may be offering fantastic deals because bookings are weak. Right. I knew you'd be the guy to call, Clark. All right. Let me tell you another thing to save money. Do not buy shore excursions from the cruise line. Okay. Because they charge a fortune for theirs. What do you think is a reasonable amount of spending money to take on a cruise like that? Well, um, on the cruise, so much is included, you have to work at it to run up a lot of bills. Right. So you don't have to take a lot of money. Uh, Many of the cruise lines have places where like if you tell your 10 and 14 year old you know you go here you can get free water when you want you go here you get free fruit punch whatever you know during the all the buffet hours they're thirsty they can go there they want a snack they can go there and you're not paying for any of that right so you can go on a cruise and keep the wallet mostly closed perfect that's what i'm looking for all right good luck finding a bargain they're out there Thank you, Clark. Appreciate the help. Okay, take care. You know, you can also post a question for me on ClarkHoward.com. We call it Ask Clark. And Joel, who do we have an Ask Clark from? Clark, it's a question from Mike. He says, how can I get rid of a timeshare that I purchased and no longer want? I still owe most of the purchase price, unfortunately. Mike, gosh, I, I must tell you, especially with that last thing you said, I'm afraid you are stuck with that timeshare for the foreseeable future because the sad fact, the reality is that what you pay a timeshare developer for a timeshare, almost all that money is for the marketing and sales and commissions for the sale of that week that you bought, not for any actual uh, real estate kind of thing. And so that's why timeshares stick to people like glue because the value in the secondary market 
was during the real estate bust and the Great Recession less than zero. Now it seems to have improved some, but really it's pennies on the dollar. I wish I could tell you, oh, just do this or just do that, and you'll be able to get it sold for the kind of money you owe on the note. I can't lie to you, though. I do have something to share, though, with others who are stuck with the timeshare, particularly in a situation where you own it free and clear, but you just want rid of it. There is a website called Vacatia, V-A-C-A-T-I-A, vacatia.com, and it is a marketplace where people list properties and people looking for properties go there to, um, to buy them and they're looking, the people looking to buy are looking to get a steal of a deal, and they do. But Vacatia is the only marketplace I've seen that looks to be straight up on the level, up and up legit. But in your case, owing a lot of money, Vacatia won't get it done for you either. Today's Clark Rageous moment is very distressing to me. In my TV work over the years, I've done stories about people being ripped off by dating clubs, people they meet on dating sites, and they are just they just tear at my heart because you're so vulnerable when you're trying to meet the the right person. And the FBI reports that the number of people getting ripped off at dating sites has gone up by a huge amount from just a year ago. It is today's Clark Rageous moment, and I'm going to tell you what you need to know or someone you know who's single, meeting people online, what they've got to know to protect their wallet and their hearts at the same time. Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous moment. This stinks, 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 stinks. And I think about the calls we've had over the years, including in our off-air center, you know, where you can call for off-air advice for free nine hours a day. We've gotten so many calls from people who have been taken by the swindlers on the dating sites. So the way it plays is you meet somebody and they'll usually claim that they're Uh, an American or Canadian who is overseas on assignment. They're lonely. And they're so excited to meet you. And they can't wait to meet you in person. And you're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you start to fall for this person who's living overseas. And once they've really got you on the hook... Remember, you've never met them. The profile they put up is fake. The pictures they put up are not them. And then, ultimately, the punchline comes. Something's gone wrong, and the scamster needs money. They might ask for a loan. They might ask for money to get out of an emergency, whatever. I know someone who who paid $6,000 to one of these scammers. 
be very aware if you have never actually met the person. You do not know that they are who they say they are. And when they've reeled you in and they start asking for money, maybe that's the time you get on an airplane and you go see who this person is. And maybe there's the slightest chance that the story they're telling you is true. But the much greater chance is they've just been playing you. They're going to use your vulnerable heart as a way to clean out your wallet. And that is truly Clark Rageous. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Jobs, jobs, jobs. Suddenly, they seem to be everywhere. I'm glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show, where you learn ways to save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off. On the web, Clark.com, got a question, Clark.com slash ask. The jobs are just so plentiful now. May not be the exact job you want at the pay you wanted, but there are so many I, all over the country. I read newspapers from dozens of cities looking for things that may be a story somewhere in America that hadn't really gotten in the public consciousness that may be something that would be useful to bring your way. And no matter where I look in America, there's one story after another about what kind of jobs are going begging. In much of the Midwest, it's manufacturing jobs that employers can't fill. In the South and the West, anything to do with construction. There are not nearly enough trained workers. For the first time ever, employer uh, construction companies and at least their trade associations are doing anything they can to come up with apprentice programs, any kind of job training program where they'll take people without skills off the streets and train you how to do the work. So there is opportunity right now. The big shift is that you probably heard way too many times about what a skilled-based economy we are. And if you don't have this set of skills, well, well, right now, even if you don't have 
a specific set of skills. There's a lot of opportunity to be trained or uh, programs that are co-op programs between employers and local community colleges to get you up to a skill set so you can fill one of these jobs that's going begging. And if you're in a job you really don't love, there are so many apps now. Joel, I'd like us to put some of the apps up that are getting so much buzz on Clark.com. Use apps that help you with the job search. One of them I get a kick out about is one that works like the dating site Tender. Do you call Tender a dating site? Well, meetup site, whatever. Anyway, family show. Anyway, you sweep one direction if you want to know more about that employer, the other if you have no interest in them. And the employers do the same thing with potential applicants till you get a match where you are asked to an interview. On that subject, I saw an item in the Washington Post that was crazy. So there's a, a company now that develops what's called a J-score on you. And the J-score is the likelihood that you are looking for another job. So employers that are worried about who might have itchy feet and decide, well, if you're looking for a job somewhere else, you're out of here or you're not going to be eligible for that promotion. Or they may take the opposite standpoint, say, ooh, I thought she was really happy here. But look at her J-score. Let me go offer her a promotion or a raise or whatever. So the idea of the J-score is they scour social media of various types and figure out if you are, in fact, looking for work and share that information with your employer who pays for them to snoop on their workforce so that an employer knows who's looking for work. So one of the things that my web team suggested is that when you are doing a job search, if you're worried about what the effect may be on your current employment, that you remember to use the privacy modes you're allowed to with various social media so that you are protecting yourself from somebody snooping around and letting your employer know that you're looking for a job. Another suggestion is to be aware that if you have friended your boss on social media, then they're going to know if you're using social media to look for a job. Just remember that. Will is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Will. Hi there. Um, Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. So I have this small business. Okay, and I have I didn't anticipate the growth. I work for two manufacturers. They they send me a lot of work, and so I am in need of some capital to be able to hire some employees. But my credit's not the best. I haven't and I have not established a business credit. I mean, uh, the business uh, credit score through Duns. I just started that, so it's hard for me to get a small business loan. But I heard of a company. Um, that kind of looks at your situation and all the funds that come in and whatnot and then extend you a somewhat of a loan. 
Okay. And and who are we talking about here? Go ahead and name them so I know who uh, we're talking about. Sure thing, it's Cabbage. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've talked about okay. them on the show. Okay. K-A-B-B-A-G-E. Correct. And I'm, I must have missed that. Cause I yeah, that's okay. Day, so. <laughs> you can't um, listen to every minute of the show. So. I hear you. i got customers to take care of. Yeah, exactly. So, so Cabbage, cabbage is really a great not. idea for you. Okay. Because... Cabbage um, does not base the decision, as you mentioned, on credit score as how they determine a yes or no. And that's, for so many small businesses, that's really key because you may not have the traditional credit score standing that most lenders make a yes or no decision on. So. I don't know of a particular downside for you I mean, by uh, trying cabbage. Gotcha. I mean, the only reason I called is to see if maybe you, you, you did know of any downsides, because I've seen a lot of reviews, and it's like a 50-50, 46% of it are great, and then there's uh, plenty of them that are not, you know, such good ideas. What kind of gripes it. are people... Uh, posting on social media what kind of things are they not liking about cabbage because i should know that since i've talked about it in the past is a source of funds for small business well i went on um you know just on creditkarma.com yeah and you know there's a again i was just reading a bunch of reviews and a lot of them don't like the fees on there and how they, i mean i don't use paypal or, or sell things, you know, over the internet, the only thing they would have access to is my bank account. And so it kind of gave me a little bit of a fear uh, to to give them access to my bank account for the fees. Um, and so I just didn't really know, again, the rating distribution of 110, there's 46% with five stars, which is great, but then there's 16% with four and then go down, but there's a huge 26% with only one star and very bad negative reports. Um, Interesting, because no, I have not had any feedback where people have called me and said, I can't believe you said nice things about cabbage. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened to me. I've not had that come up. Okay. The, well, the thing I mean, that's been very valuable to small businesses is that the money decision is so quick and the deposit of the funds is so fast right right which kind of like that's that's what i need now you know i I need to be able to make a move and uh probably hire two full-time techs and i i just i don't have the capital to pay them and then wait for the manufacturers to get manufacturers to pay my money you know what i mean so it's i need some training dollars and i also need you know some quick cash to be able to get them on the road start producing warranty tickets and then be able to then get that money back from from the manufacturer but i just don't know if it's going to coincide with you know me paying them my, my you know the tax and then you know being able to pay the loan as they only have a six month allowance on that so yeah and so the the effective is. you pay off over six months the interest rates are certainly not cheap compared right. to source of funds if you're solidly established, you have a really great credit rating, you have a history with your business, you have a relationship with a local community banker, and we're talking about a whole different category of borrowing. Of course, yeah. But compared to 
some of the things that have been popping up with the 200% interest rate on business loans and things like oh, yeah. that. I mean, yeah. this is not cheap money, but it's not outrageous money. Gotcha. Yeah, one of, one of them described it that it ended up being about a 20% um, interest rate, you know, over the life of, oh, at least that was their example of 10000 you know, then however they, they calculated it, it, any old interest rate of 20%, which is high, but... Like you said, it's not a it, is, it is high, but again, so often if you don't have the great credit score and credit history with your business, you can't get a loan generally at all, and 20% compared to 200 is much better math. So yeah, there may be some split decisions on it, but I like what they're trying to do with this as an outlet for businesses to borrow money and continued success to you on your business it sounds like things are going absolutely great kathy's with us on the clark howard show hi kathy hi clark thanks for taking my call it's great to have you here and you're calling about something that's been a high interest topic yeah the the backdoor roth seemed really really interesting but i'm hearing that they may not be a good deal for someone in my position what's your story well we've converted a lot of our 401ks to roth and because we've done that, we're, I'm being told the backdoor Roth won't work. And have you converted your your 401ks to Roths in the current calendar year? Sorry, sorry. We converted 401ks to IRAs. Oh, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Because what happens is that if you have money already in traditional IRAs, you have to take a huge tax hit first clearing the decks by getting that money out of the way into a Roth IRA before you can start doing a backdoor Roth. And for people who haven't heard me describe it, let me give a brief explanation. There are lots of people who make too much money under the, under the law to qualify to put money in a Roth IRA. Good problem to have, but there is a way you're allowed to do a Roth if you first put money into a weirdo kind of IRA called a non-deductible IRA and then move money from a non-deductible IRA into a Roth. If you were to put money having a big pile of cash in regular IRAs, you were to put money in a non-deductible IRA, you would have to leave it in a non-deductible IRA for as many years as it took till you were able to migrate your IRA money into a Roth and pay the tax on those conversions year after year. So yeah, for- and, and I think I wish I wish somebody would have counseled me to not convert my four hundred one k's until I did some of the backdoor Roth stuff. Well, we but what's done convert. is done. Yeah. <laughs> and so, how much money do you have sitting in IRAs right now? Um, I think around eight hundred thousand. Oh my goodness. So that is a very, very, very good problem to have. Congratulations (laughs) to you for being such a prolific saver. Yeah, well, we're trying to retire early. I want to retire when I'm 55, and my husband will be 51. So we think that maybe we'll start converting our IRAs to Roth during our non-employed years before we... Yeah, but do it in dribs and drabs so you don't push yourself into a, a higher tax bracket. Right, right. I think we can have total control of that if we have no income. That is true. So in your case, the non-deductible IRA 
would not be a, a good choice at all. And so I would avoid that and just know that the good news is that what makes that bad news is that you've already saved such a mountain of money that gives you the choice of retiring early. Good for you. Follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Our web address, clark.com. When you got a question for me, go clark.com slash ask. Terry is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Terry. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Terry, how can I be of service to you? Well, I have my house on the market. This is the second time I've listed it, and I've had to reduce the price a couple of times, and it's down to one forty nine nine. I received a rather interesting offer from someone where they offered me one hundred and forty five and a twenty five thousand down payment. They would take over my mortgage payments for a term of six months. At the end of that term, they would give me the balance if they were able to find a buyer for the house. Absolutely, positively not. Did you hear money blowing up right before your ears just then? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That is so dangerous, so risky. Don't go anywhere near a circumstance where somebody says, hey, hey, here's what we'll do. I'll just give you this money, and we're going to pretend that your house hadn't sold, but I'm going to make your payments. Disaster. Right. And it would potentially be considered an act of fraud on your part and the the non-buyer buyer's part because your loan, your mortgage, has in it what's known as a due-on-sale clause, which means when the effective ownership of the property changes, the mortgage is due and payable in full at ownership change. So when somebody comes in and says, well, I'm not really buying it, I'm just pretending I'm buying it, and then we're going to have this other person within so many months buy it, you're just writing a prescription for real hardship for yourself. Okay. That's kind of what you thought, wasn't it? I could, I'm listening to your, your tone as you're speaking. Well, I, I am so unexperienced with this kind of thing. And the, the buyer said that he was going to invest money into renovating the house. Yeah, but he's not a real buyer if, it's, if there's no closing till months down the road when supposedly they're able to locate a buyer. That is not safe for you at all. Okay, well, that's great. I, I definitely need someone to tell me that. <laughs> okay. And if this individual, when you say, I'm sorry, I can't get involved in a high-risk transaction like that, but if you want to just buy it, buy it, then we can talk. That's a whole different story. Okay. Okay? Well, I, gr- I greatly appreciate your time, and I love your show. Thank you, and good luck finding a legit buyer for your house. So far in 2017, Forbes and Podcast One have already launched three highly acclaimed shows. The interview with Steve Bertoni features the business world's most interesting names, like Adam Carolla, Twitter founder Sean Rad, and Hollywood's own Jessica Alba. So I spent a lot of my childhood in hospital and hospital beds. Under 30 with Steve Goldblum talks to the movers and shakers, like Nation Builder CEO Jim Gilliam and NFL big game winner Martellus Bennett. Guys are afraid to be themselves because of their marketing deal. And the list with Art of Charms, Jordan Harbinger. We'll get behind-the-scenes insight and 
and information that doesn't make the print cut. Next up, Sports Money with Mike Ozanian talking to team owners, athletes, and industry leaders about the enterprise and money behind Supreme Athletic Competition. Forbes on Podcast One. Not just entertaining, informative. Subscribe now at iTunes and don't forget to rate, review, and share. Glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. You can follow us at facebook.com slash Clark Howard on the web, clark.com. When you have a question, clark.com slash ask. Coming up in a half hour, there is a significant shift in the housing market that you need to be aware of that could set you up very nicely or hurt your wallet later on. I'm going to tell you how it's playing out in just 30 minutes. Energy in the United States is going through a massive transformation. In some states, better than others. In no state, better than Texas. Texas has been more innovative on energy than any other place in America. Nobody's close. In any of a number of states around the country, monopoly power companies had great harm to the citizens of a state, have done everything they can to eliminate innovation and squash any competition. It is totally against the culture and tradition and the principles of the United States that because of a corrupt, unholy alliance between state regulators and monopoly power companies, that innovation is stopped cold and power rates go up and up and up. Texas, on the other hand, did things completely differently. Texas now has power costs for the average consumer that are so much less than the rest of the country, it's not even funny. And how did Texas do it? They busted the monopolies. Texas went to a three-part system of people that generate power, people that distribute power, and then power companies or marketers that you buy your power from. So you got the place they produce the power, whether it's coal or natural gas or nuclear or solar or wind or hydro or whatever it is. Then you have the distributor that moves it from that power source to ultimately you, who you buy it from your local Not supplier, but marketing entity. And the result of freeing the marketplace has been unbelievable innovation and significantly lower prices. Texas now generates far more wind-based power than any other state. So now wind accounts for close to 20% of all power generation in the state of Texas. No environmental problems. I know if you're a bird lover, I know I know the problem with the birds. But I mean, in terms of overall for planet Earth, you eliminate the environmental problems. And Texas is installing solar panels like nobody's business. Seems like everywhere you go in Texas, there are more panels popping up. Again, an enormous benefit to people's wallets and to the environment. The share of energy in Texas that's coming from 
completely pollution-free sources is now one-fourth of all power in the state and rising quickly and at the same time giving people much lower prices. We are missing the boat in the states where the corrupt power and state regulator combo cartel thing has led to the much, much, much more expensive prices and has harmed having a free market where innovation can take hold. This is a case where allowing the free market to do its thing is a win, win, win. The old way of doing things, Soviet-style, corruption-based, has got to go. Tristan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Tristan. Hi, Clark. So you are definitely someone who does not like debt. Is that true? Well, I definitely don't like it, but I joke and say that my husband was born an old man because he started saving for our future before he even knew me at 15. So it's it's all because of him, mostly. (laughs) Well, good for both of you, though. So what are you thinking of doing? Well, we have 58000 left on our mortgage to pay, and we're hoping to have enough to pay it off completely and have six months back up by November. But we didn't know if we should go ahead and pay everything off and just, you know, own our home outright or if we should invest that money instead. What are you doing right now in terms of saving and investing? Are you doing uh, retirement plans at work? Roth IRAs, what are you doing? Well, we've talked about uh, investing in a Roth IRA, but we haven't yet. Right now, the money is just going in our savings account, and obviously that's not the best use of it, but we really didn't know what we should be doing in terms of investing it, whether it's short-term, short-term or long-term, but you know, we were thinking that that would be enough to pay off the house, but we didn't know what we should do. So you right now have virtually enough money to pay off your entire mortgage? Yes. And if you just emptied your savings account, you could do that tomorrow? Well, it would. we wouldn't have any cushion or very little cushion. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, All right. we could do that. So if you were to wipe out your mortgage, that, that would eliminate all debt in your lives? Except for our monthly credit card bills, which we pay down to zero, but yes. Okay, and so in the short term, I'm going to surprise you, but in the short term, if suddenly it started raining, you could use your credit cards as an emergency fund. And let me tell you why I would say that to you, and I don't want to confuse other people. Because of the way you and your husband handle money, and how careful you are, and that you use credit cards only as a payment system. And you have money in savings earning zero point whatever percent, like nothing. Mm-hmm. I would be absolutely fine with you taking your savings and wiping out your mortgage. And then each month, you start replenishing your savings. All right. And I would replenish it by starting to fund Roth IRAs is the first dollars you go to replenish. Because the neat thing about Roths is if you put money into them and you don't need that money, it just grows tax-free and is spent tax-free in retirement. But before you have enough money built up, if you had a rainy day 
and you had money on Roths but no other money available, you can actually pull the contributions you made to a Roth out tax and penalty free. You just have to leave your earnings behind. Okay. So I know I'm, I can tell I'm unsettling you by saying, hey, <laughs> just take that savings account, clean it out, wipe out your mortgage, be debt free, and rebuild your savings. But the reason that would work in under your roof is because it's obvious what attitude you and your husband have about money, its purpose, and savings. Right. We definitely don't spend very much. Pretty much everything, aside from our monthly bills, just goes back into the bank anyway. So, I mean, we would be fine if we did that. Yeah, so blow through that mortgage. Give yourself that, that party of being mortgage debt-free sooner rather than waiting. All right. And I've got a guide at Clark.com that'll walk both you and your husband through setting up those Roth IRAs, where you should open them, and what I think are the best starter funds to put your money into. And you can have those Roths open and up and running in 10 minutes. Oh, okay. That's great. That was going to be one of my other questions was if what, what Roth IRA should we invest in? But I'll check that, I'll check that out. I got one-stop shop for you on that. Good. And I do have another question that has to do with the house. We were, would it make a difference if we did go ahead and pay off the house down to zero, but we were planning on selling the house and moving in the next couple of years? Doesn't make any difference at all. All it means is that when you do, if you do choose to sell the house and move, your proceeds at closing are much higher. So that would be good. Yeah. Yeah, it it makes no difference tax-wise or anything like that. You just have more money net from the sale of the house okay and as careful as you are about money if you decide you want to be a landlord and you keep that house and turn it into a rental property that wouldn't be the worst thing either we had talked about doing that as well but um my husband was thinking that it would be i think seven or eight years before we would see the same profits that we would if we just sold it so it would be definitely more of a long-term yeah, definitely rental properties are at best to get rich slowly. They're not something that you have a quick score from, but they can make a big difference over the years. And congratulations again to both of you and your attitude and how you handle money. Susan is with us. Hello, Susan. I'm glad you've joined us on the Clark Howard Show. How are you doing? Good. The reason I'm calling Clark is that I need surgery in the online form lists social security number. And from what I remember in the past, you shouldn't list your social security number. I also had surgery in 2007 and it had, that was a paper form and it had social security number listed and I left that square blank and had the surgery. This one, after it says social security number, it says why in blue, and when I click on it, it says your social security number is required for financial purposes. If you feel uncomfortable, you may enter just zeros, but you will need to supply your SSN when you check in at the office. Okay, so what the office is after, it's all about if somebody doesn't pay the bill so that the medical office or provider can turn you over to a bill collector. When they say financial reasons, that's what they're talking about. So I'd put in all zeros and wait to see if 
anybody actually does ask you when you get there. Do you have a big out-of-pocket for the procedure you're having? Um, we do have, uh, uh, unfortunately, our my husband's employer's insurance changed since 2007, and we do have a uh, higher deductible insurance now. And are you in a position to pay that to the provider, or are you going to be in some kind of billing arrangement with them? No, we could pay it. Okay, so if you pay them when you are receiving treatment, then that should be the end of it, and there should be no need at all for them to have your Social Security number. Okay, but if they're asking me for it before we check in, do you think that Don't I give should, it. Okay, and then I don't know how this works. Did, is there a possibility I'd, that then the surgeon wouldn't see me and I'd, I should... I have not had that come up. Okay. That's not happened. You know, this is, and physicians get very sore with me about this because they're facing so much uncompensated care where they provide care and then people don't honor their part of it, don't pay the bill, and the Social Security number makes it much easier for the doctor or practice to go after the individual. And so in their minds i'm taking food out of their mouths but in my mind you got almost half of identity theft happening from medical offices right so that's why i think it's a it's a matter of self-preservation for you not to give that social security number but if you're paying when you go to receive care you're paying your deductible portion that should solve that so Bottom line is, I guess what I was thinking about doing, you can tell me whether you think this is a good idea or not, rather than doing this online, I was thinking about doing it the old-fashioned way and going in person and picking up. The other frustrating part with this online thing is you have to completely fill out one page before you see what's on the next page. I'd kind of like to Yeah, but go ahead and do the zeros. You said that was an option. Do the zeros, fill in all the online paperwork, wait till you get there for treatment, and then deal with the Social Security question there. But there is no good reason, if you're paying your share of it, for any doctor to ever need or want your Social Security number. You need to protect it, and you're right to be suspicious about giving that number up. Kai is with us. Kai, you want to yeah. talk tax liens, is that right? Yeah, my uh, my mom, I'm afraid, is involved or getting involved with a company and I'm trying to figure out if it's legitimate or a scam and it kind of raises a bunch of red flags with me. What do they do? Do they uh, teach you how to supposedly get rich from tax yeah, liens? Yeah, pretty much. It's, what she pays for is the seminars and uh, some CDs and books and materials and then future, I guess, coaching type of stuff. All right, so the deal is there. it's one of those areas that there's a little bit of truth that leads to a big lie. There are circumstances that uh, some states permit the sale of tax liens under circumstances that are very suspect to me that create an enormous burden on the person who had a delinquent tax bill. But individuals that are very savvy and really understand the market and have a lot of experience can, in some cases, score big income buying uh delinquent some states are called tax sales certificates others are called tax lien sales and you end up with uh with the ability to collect a big profit 
from an individual for them bringing their taxes current, but you lay out, in most jurisdictions, you lay out the cost of the past due tax, and then you hope you're going to be able to collect that tax from the person the lien's against. The reason you need to be someone with very high levels of experience is a lot of times the properties that are being sold at tax sales or the you know the tax um, the right to collect the tax being sold is the proper way to say it. The properties have no value to the owner. They're not going to bring the taxes current, and then you're stuck with a lien that you have purchased that has no value, and that's why people need to be very sophisticated in this market and very knowledgeable and hopefully experienced working on someone's payroll that runs one of the businesses. I have not liked this as an Insta business like your you said your mom bought. Yeah. So, so, so the reason she shouldn't be involved is this is a kitchen that's too hot to be in unless you have the expertise. And I would urge her to look for another opportunity other than this. That's about all the ammunition I can give you. Okay, here are some really surprising car facts for you. In Churchill, Canada, residents leave their cars unlocked. That's in case someone needs to escape a polar bear. It's true. And in Sweden, drivers are required by law to keep their headlights on at all times. Day, night, rain, sunshine, doesn't matter. And now, here's another interesting and actually helpful thing about cars that you might not know. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for new cars. Their certified dealer network also has an inventory of over 700,000 pre-owned cars nationwide. So whether you're looking for a new or used car, you can get real pricing on actual inventory and a better buying experience through the TrueCar certified dealer network. Oh yeah, here's another fun fact. True Car customers can see if they're getting a good or great price before they buy. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with their True Car certified dealers. So when you're ready to buy that car, new or used, visit True Car and enjoy a better car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. <laughs> So glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Our web address is Clark, C-L-A-R-K dot com. When you have a question, Clark.com slash ask. And you can ask questions off the air as well for free. We answer your calls off the air nine hours a day, Monday to Friday. And you can see how to call in at Clark.com. This has been a free service of the Clark Howard Show since 1993. I want to talk to you about that house you may be thinking of buying or house you live in. Trends over time with housing can be your friend or not so much. And one trend that has heavily reversed in America is the era of very large homes is fading. That the desire to have massive square footage is something that there's still a market for it, but it's a lot smaller than it was, that people were always stretching, reaching for more square footage. Just look at the TV shows on cable now about little teeny homes. How many of them are there right now? 
of people being excited about buying small homes. I read a story recently about builders come out with a line of small homes that get this under 600 square feet, $200,000. Okay, I don't think that's an efficient use of money to spend that much for under 600 square feet. But anyway, the average price of a home in the United States is shrinking. And it's a very clear trend that people are looking to maybe have less land than they did for a long time in America and less house. Rooms are becoming more efficient. Formal dining room, square footage, gone. Very few houses anymore have that. Having the great room kind of effect with a family room, kitchen, and a dining table, but not a dining room or whatever you want to call it, where you eat, having that all in one space that collectively is less. And then the big trend in housing started by the big national builder, D.R. Horton, of building simpler homes with a smaller variety of choices that they can build with more efficiency, build at a lower cost per square foot, sell them at a lower cost per square foot. They can't keep up with demand for those. And other builders now responding building smaller, simpler homes. So the trend is away from monster houses. Utility bills are lower. The, uh, the cost of maintenance is lower if you build a smaller footprint house. And so that's where things are moving. It means that if you are looking for a very large house, the market in most places in America is softened for that you'll likely find a better deal effectively per square foot in terms of cost. But the other side of that is that if this trend holds, and there are reasons demographically to believe that this is a future trend as well, it means that when you go to sell, you will also get a depressed price per square foot if you have a very large home. So... Remember the emphasis, people, not everywhere, not every family, not every situation, but people are putting a premium on reducing their commute time, being willing to accept a smaller footprint of property, a smaller house itself, even a townhouse, to bring more lifestyle choices that involve less time in the car. And you don't want to be on the wrong side of the trend line of history if owning a house is about not losing money over time. Ryan is with us. Hello, Ryan. Glad you've joined us on the Clark Howard Show. You got a question for me about your credit. Is that right? Right. Well, it it was kind of a strange situation, but like a lot of your listeners, I um, went ahead and, and froze my credit. And... I did this a couple of years ago, and, and about maybe a year ago, my wife uh, was shopping at a store, and, and like a lot of stores, they offered her one of those in-store credit cards, and she said, sure, and of course, it rejected, but she still got the discount, and she came home and told me about it, and I said, I said, huh, well, you know, is that, uh, you know, it seemed like, well, you know, you kind of know that it's going to reject when they offer it to you, but you know, is there something ethically wrong? Well, again, I that happened to me a couple of months ago, 
And I went ahead and just said, sure, even though I knew it was going to reject and I took my 20% discount, but then it really started to bother me. And I started to say, well, you know, is this something that I shouldn't be doing? You know, so that's, you know, that's basically. So it's like an ethical, moral dilemma. Right, exactly. Well, let's flip this on its head. I don't want people to sign up for instant credit at the register to get a one-time discount. Right. Because getting that new application of credit hurts you in your credit mix, especially with a single-issue store kind of card, right. where it's just for that store. That's uh, not quite bad credit, but it certainly isn't what's taken into account as good credit. So right. are you being ethically challenged when you say, sure, I'll apply for that to get my one-time discount, knowing that you can't possibly get that credit, but you'll still get the discount. I would say you need to let your conscience be your guide. And simply by asking the question, you're feeling guilty about it, so you should turn it down. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that that makes some sense. And I want to ask you a different question. Sure. How often in two years has it been a pain for you that your credit's frozen? Uh, zero times. Okay. That's... I've had to unfreeze it once, and it and it took about, I don't know, a minute or two. I did it online. It was real easy. And that's so. the thing I want uh, your fellow listener to know, Ryan, is that f- thawing your credit, freezing your credit, it's so easy, and it's the best possible way for you to protect your identity from identity thieves who want to establish an identity for credit purposes as if they're you. And how much was it in your state to freeze uh, $10. your credit? $10. $10? Uh-huh. Okay. 10 is the highest any state has, $10 per bureau. Mm-hmm. But it's one time 30 bucks, And I think it's money that was very wise on your part to spend. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I have no problems doing it. And, of course, I got my, you know, uh, passwords all saved up in a very special place, so I'll never lose them. So. <laughs> well, very good, because a lot of other people don't remember what they put their passwords, their usernames, and, and secret codes for thawing their credit, and then you are frozen till a paperwork process takes place, which really can slow things down. Follow me at facebook.com slash clarkhoward. Our web address, Clark.com. When you got a question for me, go Clark.com slash ask. Bradley is with us. Bradley, congratulations. You're getting married. Yeah, thank you. And you picked a wonderful time of year to take a honeymoon. What month are you thinking of taking one? October. So you're brilliant. Uh, well, I listen to you a lot. Because you know that is one of the cheapest months of the year to take a honeymoon. And we're, you know, I just, I listen to you and I follow you every day and I decided that that was the best time we could possibly go. Well, how can I help with the honeymoon? Uh, we're trying to decide on what to do and we started looking at the all-inclusive resorts uh, down in the Caribbean and we weren't sure if they actually were as good a deal as they're made out to be. On a honeymoon, the all-inclusives can be absolutely a great way for you to not have surprises in your budget. You have to uh, you have to like drinking to make them work. I mean, straight out, you know, you got to like 
wine. You got to like having drinks through your time to make it pay. Okay. Is that something uh, that interests you? Well, I mean, we you know we we tend to to have some drinks now and then. I don't know if we would be considered large drinkers. Now, you don't um, have you don't have to be a lush. You just have to <laughs> just have to like to have a couple of glasses of wine a day or whatever, and like having it's it's almost like being on a cruise ship on land, where you don't have to worry about oh that meal is going to cost too much or this is too much or whatever. That was, that was our that was our main concern is or well I guess one of the main perks that we we're looking at is that uh, all of the food is included. Uh, we both work in the restaurant industry and so we both love to eat. So. <laughs> Right, so you would almost put yourselves in a foodie category. Yes. So any, you know, all inclusives are not created equal at all in terms of the level of accommodations, the caliber and quality and variety of the food, that kind of thing. I love for anybody considering going on an all inclusive to spend a lot of time on TripAdvisor.com. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in that younger category, so. I, I'm more apt to use the internet, but would this be a situation where it would be good to sit down with a travel agent? I think after you have really vetted some places on TripAdvisor, at that point it would pay for you to sit down with a vacation specialist. Yes, because you want your honeymoon to be just right. And congratulations to you. Susan's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Susan. Hello. Susan, you're trying to sell a Harley. Yes, sir, I am. Well, you know, if you had called me five years ago and asked me how to sell a Harley, I'd tell you you couldn't. Do you know the market was completely flooded? Right. And now Harleys are in again. People are buying them again. Well, good. How many miles do you have on yours? It's got 8,700 miles. So it's still a baby. Yes, how can I be of help selling it? Um, I've just advertised everywhere on the free sites online and all the little free papers locally, and I've got like two bogus inquiries, and and it's just people think that I'm crazy that I want twenty five thousand dollars, but that's what the Kelly Blue Book says that it's worth. I just selling tips. Maybe that's okay. Like first question for you. Have you taken it to a Harley dealer to see what they would give you if you were to sell it to them? No, that that was one of my one of the things that I wondered about. I absolutely think you need to do that to see where's the real marketplace right now. Okay. Cuz a lot of Harley buyers want financing and that's not the business you're in. Right. So right that does somewhat affect the price that you'll be able to get. But I would go to a Harley dealer to look and see what they'll offer you, just so you know a baseline. I would look at eBay. Have you looked at eBay Motors for what people are trying to I have. To... I have. And your model year, what are people asking for them? Um, it's pretty close to the 25000 that that I'm asking. I wonder why... If that's where the marketplace seems to be on eBay Motors, why you're not getting any real buyers? My thoughts, exactly. All right. What I would do is I would uh, send a message 
to somebody selling one and say, you know, you have one as well, do they think their price is really going to get a buyer for them? Okay. I just ask them. You know, because they may say, hey, look, I've been trying to sell mine for months. I can't get it. Or, yeah, I sold mine in a week, whatever. So uh, talking to a, a fellow owner would be good. There's okay. also another site. I don't know if you've looked at autotrader.com. Right. I've got it on Motorcycle Trader. Okay. And so generally, if you're not getting anybody other than the crazies, you got a pricing problem. And usually with a motorcycle, the pricing problem is more about the financing than any other aspect. Because I forget what percent of motorcycle purchases Harleys are financed, but it's way up there. So when you ask somebody to pay cash, what you see with the used, car, used price values on the Harleys, it part of it is being baked in that the people are getting loans on it where you want them just to write you a check. Follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Our web address, clark.com. When you got a question for me, go clark.com slash ask. Antoinette is with us. Antoinette, congratulations are in order. Is that right? Yes, thank you. What's going on? Well, um, I'm due to have my first baby in November. Oh, that's um, great. And I'm very excited, but, you know, there's that struggle of having to decide to put your child in daycare or try to come up with another way to, you know, meet your financial obligations, but to be able to stay home. And so I'm just wondering if there are any legitimate work-from-home jobs that are out there, because there's so many, but I never know which are legitimate and which are just kind of a scam. It's one of those areas where 99 point, who knows what the point is, 99 plus percent are scams. Okay. So you have to be very, very careful. But I want to, before I tell you how I'd suggest one way of finding legit work at home. Is there any possibility that what you do now for the employer you work for today, that you can, for your convenience and for theirs, do work for them from your home? Since it's already what you know, they know you, it's what you do. There is some flexibility within the schedule, but not where I can work full-time from home. I've been able to work out to where I can work four tens and have one day a week where I am off, which is helping with daycare costs and will allow me to spend a little bit more time with the baby. So that's what I have scheduled currently. Um, but that's about as the flexibility I could probably get. And will you clear between what daycare would cost you four days a week, four long days a week, mm-hmm. and what you would make, would you clear a great deal of money going back to work doing that? that that's really going to be a tough choice for you or it, after you figure in daycare it's like mm-hmm. well there's not that much net um, money there would be enough to meet the remainder of our financial responsibilities and potentially you know even put a little bit in savings not to the extent that we're saving now but you know we would be okay all right so here's the thing we put together on my website a guide to what we've been able, as best we can tell, to list legitimate work-at-home opportunities. Okay. None of them pay a lot of money at all, but they do supplement, and with many of them, you work your own schedule. Okay. So, like, if baby's napping, you pick up a couple hours work here and there. And so, look at the guide, 
But I do want to emphasize again, the best work at home is always doing what you already know for either who you're doing it for or for someone else, rather than going and doing a fresh start work at home. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Hey, this is Roxy Diaz. And this is Nina Parker. Now, we are two pop culture veterans who love nothing more than talking about the latest trending topics. Now, we're talking about everything. The relationships, music, celebrities. And maybe the banana pics I get in my DM. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We're talking about everything. All right. Now, you get to join us every week on our new podcast, Little Black Dress with Roxy and Nina. Check out new episodes on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on iTunes. Guys, it's the Little Black Dress because every Every woman woman has has one. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbour of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd I'd never really come across them in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, he never seemed to speak back to you. He was just like, kept themselves to themselves and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.